Aren't you thankful for his forgiveness? Forgiveness is one of those, those things sometimes that's tough on us folks. You know what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes it's tough to forgive when somebody's done you wrong. You go, all, you go through all kinds of emotions. You go through all kinds of feelings. You try to overcome some things in your own self before you get to that place where, Lord, I can, I can truly forgive. It's tough. We just might as well be honest with ourselves. It's hard. The message I'm going to preach to you today is the risen king, but we're looking at this term, Forgiveness. The scripture in Luke chapter 23 always fascinates me. Luke chapter 23, as they're playing softly, verse 39. You know the story here, it's very familiar. One of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, then save yourself and save us. But the other, talking of the other thief on the cross, Answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. In other words, you have no reason to condemn him or say anything to him. What we have done, we're getting a just reward for what we've done. But these two scriptures, these next two scriptures always fascinates me. It takes two scriptures for the Lord to forgive the thief on the cross. Verse 42 says, Then he said to Jesus, talking of the thief, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all he said. Now I want that to sink in just a little bit. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, well, let me first take you to the new beginnings class. That's not what he said, Sister Lisa. Well, first you've got to be at least three months as a member of the church, and then we'll, we'll go there. That's, that's not what he said. Let me take you through a 12-step program. That's not what he said. Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Father, we come before you today and we ask you in the name of Jesus to touch your people. Help us to hear what you want us to hear. Help us to say what you want us to say. Help us go in the direction that you would have us to go. Let us forget and put aside anything and everything that's going on this afternoon or tonight or tomorrow. And let these next few moments, let us focus upon you and the power of forgiveness. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated today. Thank you so much, worship team. Hallelujah. As I said, these, these two scriptures always captivates me. It always captures my attention. Brother David, that it only takes two scriptures for the Lord to forgive this guy. 
This guy knew exactly what he'd done. This guy knew that his reward was just. He wasn't complaining for what was happening to him. He may not have wanted it to happen, but he wasn't complaining as the other thief. But all he said is he looked over to the Lord, and apparently at some point in time while they were on the cross, he recognized and he knew who Jesus was. He recognized the power that the Lord had, and he looked at the Lord and said, Lord, this day will you please remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus turned and looked to him and said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Every Easter, we focus on Jesus rising from the tomb. And when you think about Easter, that's really what it's all about. It's about resurrection, right? And we'll talk about that over the next couple of weeks. That he beat death and he won victory for us. But as powerful as that is, and we'll talk about that, but I want us our attention to, to back up to this scripture right here. And we look at this and sometimes we talk about it and sometimes we don't. But I want to take a closer look at this story of the thief on the cross. You know the story, Jesus was being crucified and two men was being crucified with him at the same time. These two, the Bible says they are thieves. And this conversation takes place in verse 42 and where one of the thieves talks to Jesus and says, Lord, remember me. And then verse 43, Jesus answers him and says, today, today you will be with me in paradise. When you look at that, at first it seems like a very simple and a very quick repeat of so many of Jesus' biblical accounts, so many of the miracles that he took place. Because when you consider Jesus, every time you, you hear about Jesus and he shows up on the scene, there Jesus is and he meets somebody. And they're humbled by Jesus. They're, they're captivated by the Lord. Jesus, we know, loves human beings and Jesus saves human beings, except this event only takes place, as I said, in only two sentences. It's not surprising that the majority of preachers and teachers skim the, skim the surface of this conversation, but there seems to be very little revelation here on this scripture. But when you look at it and when you begin to think about what's going on and the scenario and the story that's taking place here, you dig a little deeper. There's a message that needs to be talked about. There's a message that needs to be shared for every one of us. Because first, we've got to realize that the crucifixion of Jesus is really the single most important event in the relationship between God and humanity. The crucifixion of Jesus is the ultimate event of all time. It's the moment of the blood. It's the moment of the sacrifice. It's the moment of salvation. It's the moment of the, where the Son of God was put to death so that you and I may live. The crucifixion is why wars are fought. And it is the event that is etched in, into millions of stained glass windows in churches all around the world. So why then share this significant moment, Brother Roger, with two thieves? One on the left and one on the right. You've got to ask the question, so pastor, if that's the case, who is the thief on the cross? Who is this guy? Who is the thief that was, what was next to Jesus? I want you to go with me here just a little bit and indulge with me just a little bit. Don't think I've lost my marbles. You'll, you'll understand where I'm going. Who is the thief? The thief on the cross is everybody you don't like. Don't you think about that just a little bit? 
Everybody you don't like, for whatever reason, he's the person who cut you off in traffic and cursed at you. He's a family member who ruins family get-togethers by drinking too much and becoming belligerent. He's the parent who beat you up as you was growing up and deserted you. The thief on the cross is grossly of the overweight person who, who stared at, at that you stared at them when they made their third and fourth and fifth trip to the table. He is the super skinny girl who wears the size zero and obviously has an eating disorder. The thief on the cross is a politician you don't agree with or the talk show host you despise. It's the real estate agent who ripped you off, the preacher who say is wrong, the pop star who dresses to this and that, the woman who is having an affair with your husband, the bully at school, the homosexuals down the street, and all the people that is wrong that goes to church and calls themselves saints. The thief on the cross is all of your least favorite people in the world. Everybody you argue with, everybody you judge, everyone that you judge worthy of death, the thief on the cross is everybody you may hate. And you know what else? The thief on the cross is also everyone you do like as well. Not only do we humans, we judge people down, we also judge people up. Whether we like to admit it or not, we do. You prefer to hang out with this person instead of that one. You prefer this parent over the other one. You prefer this child better than that one. This cousin is your favorite cousin. You choose this person to be, be your spouse instead of somebody else. You gave that homeless person money, but you didn't give the other one money. You like this preacher better than the other. You prefer this president better than any other president. The thief on the cross is your son is your daughter, your mother, your father, your best friend, your favorite teacher, your favorite pop star or actor. The thief on the cross is all of your favorite people in the world, everyone that you laugh with, everyone you are grateful for. The thief on the cross is everybody that you love. And this is what I found out, Sister Mavis. The reality is that the thief on the cross is you. The thief on the cross is you, you are the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross is all of humanity and what it stands for. Jesus is sharing the crucifixion with the thief on the cross because the thief on the cross is us. It's you. Jesus and you, we're on the cross together. This single act teaches us all about sacrifice. It teaches us about salvation, all about love, all about forgiveness. And when Jesus rose from the tomb, this proved everything to you and I. Jesus paid the price. He did all the work for us. But what, it, what, but what is it that we've got to do, Pastor? And when you think about this story of the thief on the cross, it's a powerful story that really depicts our life and what we must do in order to receive the gift of eternal life today. Can I stop long enough and tell you that the reason that you and I are here today is simply because of what happened on the cross of Calvary. Because Jesus chose to share the story with two thieves and one and only took just one question. Lord, will you remember me? Please remember me this day. And Jesus turned and said, this day. 
day. This day you'll be remembered in paradise. I'm thankful that God today, that when I come to my senses and give my heart to the Lord, the Lord didn't stop and say, okay, name your sins one by one. But he just cupped them all up and he said, because of your obedience and because you're willing to give everything unto me, I choose to forgive you today. Amen. Hallelujah. And so what it really boils down to is forgiveness. This act. And that's what I want to focus on today. Ephesians 2 and 8 says this, For it's by grace that you've been saved. Everybody say grace. Grace. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith and not from yourselves. Because it's the gift of God. Some people think or some even may say that God can never forgive me of my sins. Look what I've done. Look at how many times I've blown it in my life. I believe it's none other than Satan this morning who tries to convince you and I that our sins are so great that God cannot, there's no way that he can forgive us. I've heard this many, many times and you have too, but whenever I hear this, I'm always reminded of the thief on the cross. Here's a guy that didn't have to do nothing. Here's a guy that, that just showed up on the cross. He didn't have to go, any, go, go and do any good works. He didn't have to go and pay any kind of penance. He didn't have to go and, and, and make sure that he worked so many hours in community service. He didn't do nothing. All he did was ask the Lord to forgive him. Here's a guy that was being executed for something that was obviously serious enough to be put to death for. But when we read that Jesus tells him that he will be with, he, he'll be with him in paradise, in other words, heaven, he tells the thief that, hey, I want you to know that I accept you. Hallelujah. I accept you. In your condition, I accept you. In your state of mind, I accept you. Whatever you've done, I'm not worried about. You're asking forgiveness. But in our society today, we seem to forget or maybe not even understand the process in order for to receive the Lord. Have we forgotten about Moses, the murderer? Have we forgotten about David, the adulterer and murderer? Have we forgotten about Zacchaeus, the greedy cheat? Have we forgotten about Saul of Tarsus, the people abuser and the murderer? And what about the story of the prodigal son who wasted all of his money and life in wild living? And did we not read that God forgave them as well? He forgave them as well. And so we must never think that our sins are greater than God's love. There is nothing greater than God's love this morning. If you don't hear nothing else I say today, then hear this. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care the mess that you've made of your life. The Lord can forgive you. I don't care who you've hurt. I don't care who you've offended. I don't care what sin you've committed this morning. Listen to me. The love of God is greater than your sin. It's greater than your sin. How do you know that Pastor Romans 5 and 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. Amen. Hallelujah. So how can we ever doubt the love of God? No one loves more than he does. No one. And no one has done as much for us as he has done. The scripture tells us that Jesus died for us, not not, not after we stopped our sins, uh, but, but while we were still yet sinners. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh, we were still sinners. 
I mean, just like when we're physically sick, we go to the doctor and, uh, to get better, to get healed. And, but as sick sinners, Jesus is our physician. And he came to take care of us. Forgiveness in the Lord is a gracious gift from an all-loving God. Every one of us needs to accept that forgiveness. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust that what the Lord did on the cross. Surrender to Him. Follow Him and accept Him. And if you do nothing else this Easter, then at least do that. And if you do that, if you decide, I'm giving up my life, I'm, I'm giving up what I've done, I'm giving up what I stand for, I'm giving up the life that I've been living, I'm going to give my life to the Lord, then that would be the best decision you've ever made in your whole life. Amen. But have you, ever, have you ever noticed that in order to receive forgiveness, that you must do something? You've got to do something. You must ask for forgiveness. You must ask for forgiveness. Last night, I had the, we had the privilege of keeping our little granddaughter, and about 6 o'clock this morning, Sister Sue, she says, Hey, Papa, I want oatmeal. She asked. Now, I wasn't ready to get up at 6 o'clock. But what do you think I did? I got up, and I made oatmeal. After we had oatmeal, we had applesauce. Why? Because she asked to have applesauce. After we had applesauce, we had gummy bears. Why? Because she wanted gummy bears. She asked for gummy bears. I say that, and you all, you all have the same similar stories as I do, but listen to me. Listen to me. You know as well as I know that all you've got to do is ask of the Father. Ask of the Father. Talk to the Lord. Just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Deliver me where I need delivered. Take me and make me free today in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says he will. How do you know that? That's what he done to the thief on the cross. That's what he done, Brother Joe. There was no dialogue between these two. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom today. That's amazing to me. It's a phenomenal scripture to me. It's a phenomenal event that took place while Jesus, our Lord, was dying on the cross. Even in the midst of his agony, even in the midst of his torment, even in the midst of his pain, even in the midst of him dying, a cruel death on the cross, he was willing to save. He was willing to save. How can we ever expect to receive anything if we don't ask for it, right? I mean, when you think about it, Jesus, Jesus will not take you into heaven with him just because you're good. Now, that may shock some of you, but he ain't going to do that. Jesus ain't going to take you into heaven just because you're good. He's not going to take you into heaven just because you're compassionate. He's not going to take you into heaven just because you show up every Sunday morning. Hello? Let me go further. He's not going to take you into heaven just because you pay your tithes every Sunday. He's not going to take your heaven just because you stand in front of a class and teach them every Sunday. He's not going to take you to heaven just because you may sing on the worship team or you may take up the money or you may greet people at the door. It's, it, those are all wonderful and wonderful things. But listen, going to heaven is not an automatic deal just because of what you and I do. We must ask. Hallelujah. And Jesus desires you and I. He longs for you and I. He desires for you and I to come unto him and accept him for who he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, Jesus has already accepted you, so what are you waiting for? 
He's already accepted you. He accepted every one of us when he died on the cross for us. He's already opened his door to us. He's already laid out the welcome mat. He is ready to receive you the way that you are right now. You ain't got to quit nothing. You ain't got to stop nothing. Just right now, he's ready to receive you if you don't know the Lord. Right now. God wants to forgive you. But this is one thing I know about the Lord, Sister, Sister Parker. The Lord's not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to force himself upon you. He wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. When you ask for forgiveness, it shows your heart is open. And that is a genuine, it's a genuine heart. And you're ready to move forward. You're ready to move forward. Years ago, I remember when the kids was growing up and you had the same story, I, I, I promise you. When the kids would grow up and they would argue with one another, they would bicker with one another, they would wrong one another, moms and dads would say, okay, let them, let, tell this one that you're sorry. And a lot of times we would hear it this way, sorry. You know, something like that. And you know good well they weren't sorry for what they'd done until you made them understand what was going on and say sorry. That's not, you know, it's not too convincing to say sorry. It's not too convincing. God wants a genuine heart. He wants us to really be sorry and want a change of our sinful lives. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to degrade anybody in this story, but one night several years ago, I got a call about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning from a lady. And she says, Pastor Danny, I have somebody here that wants to be saved. Would you come to the church? I'm there 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm in the bed. We want to come to the church for somebody to get saved. And so I got up and I got dressed. And I came up here to the church. And this person was drunk, but wanted to be saved. And I talked to them as best I could. And Brother John, they answered me as best they could because they were still drunk. But they knew enough, they had enough sense about them that they recognized that they wanted a change in their life. And all this person wanted to do was hug me. You know, sometimes, if you've ever met drunk people, sometimes they, are, they can be mean. But some drunks, they just love all over you. I don't, know, I don't know how that is, but this one was one of these loving drunks. He was loving all over me. So much so that I'm thinking, quit hugging me. I'm not here to love on you. I'm here to save your soul. I don't want your loving. I don't want your hugging. You know, I'm just, I'm just being honest. That's what I was thinking. And the more I tried to talk to this guy, and the more I tried to pray with this guy, the more he just wanted to put his arms around me and, and just love on me. And i got to be honest, Brother Sam, I got a little irritated with this guy. You got me up out of my bed at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and you, and you want to come up here and have a love fest <laughs> and love on me. And I'm trying to get Jesus into your heart. Now, we managed to pray, and they managed to leave, and everything was fine. But I got to thinking about that, about that several months later. I don't know what it is about him that, what he, that, he, that, that Brother Joey wanted just to love on me. But I got to thinking about the love of God in that situation and how the love of God will take us in our drunkenness. The love of God will take us in our junk, and he'll just want to love on us. And the love of God will take us in our nastiness. In our stinkingness, when we've done things that we're not proud of and we've said things that we know we shouldn't have said, and he'll love on us anyway. He'll forgive us 
anyway. He'll love on us because at some point in time we have a genuine heart and he, and, he, and he really wants us to be really sorry and want a change of our sinful life. When God looks at you and I, God wants a true repentance on our part. And if we're not really sorry, then we will not try to do the right thing in the future if we're not sorry. He wants us to be sorry. Asking God to forgiveness is simply praying a sinner's prayer and coming to know that you're truly sinful, that you're truly sorry for what the enemy has placed in your life and what you've done. And the sinner's prayer takes many forms, but it always includes the words, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, the thing I found out even as a Christian, sometimes I have to say I'm sorry. Even as a child of God, I have to go back to the Father and say, Lord, I, I blew it this time. Forgive me, I'm sorry. I have to, have to ask forgiveness. See, praying a prayer to ask Jesus in your life involves more of, a, more of a conscious decision to follow him. A truly repentant spirit. None of us are, are perfect, and yes, we fall from time to time, but we ask the Lord's forgiveness into our heart and in our life with a true heart and a simple love for him. That's always a good place to start, isn't it? There's a guy I come across several days ago by the name of Dan Gable. Anybody know who, a guy by the name of Dan Gable? You may not follow this guy, but this guy is noted as one of the world's best-known wrestlers. I don't know if you've got a picture. Anybody remember this guy? He's one of the world's best-known wrestlers of all times. He's famous for having only lost one match in his entire Iowa State University career. He won a gold medal at the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich, Germany. And while not giving up a single point, they said, but he was the head coach of the University of Iowa where, where he won 15 NCAA titles from 1976 to 1997. He was unbeatable, they said. What made him unbeatable? It was his training. His training consisting of running and, and weightlifting and calisthenics and wrestling. And this is, this is the point I want you to get. He did these things seven hours a day, seven days a week. Now that's a lot of hard work, isn't it? That's a lot of hard work and long hours. When I think about that, think about the hours and the work that people put into various pursuits in life to make money or to become famous and on and on and on we could go. But if all of these people could expend their time and their energy and their sweat and their strain to pursue and fulfill their earthly goals, what, what, what would happen? What, what should we do in order to pursue Jesus? If we want to come before the Lord with a pure heart and a clean heart, what do we have got to do in order to pursue Jesus? Philippians 3 and 13 tells us this. Paul said, but this one thing I do. He said, I may do a lot of other things, but this one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to forget what is behind. I'm going to strain toward or press toward what is ahead. I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen to me, church. If you want to make heaven your home, you better follow this scripture right here. You better forget what's behind. You better press toward the goal. You better press toward the goal. You better win the prize for which God has called you for, and that's to gain heaven and make heaven your home. Amen. You better press on. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with having earthly goals. There's nothing wrong with, with having goals of work and business or sports or whatever the case may be. But your major goal, your number one goal as a believer in the Lord needs to be his will for your life. Now I'm fixing to say something that I've said a lot. 
And I fear saying it because I think you're just going to listen to it and it's going to go out the other ear, but I hope it doesn't. I believe with all of my heart that we're living in a time where you better not forget Jesus. Not one second. I believe we're living in a time where our culture will dictate many things to us. and People will not understand the decisions that you make and that I make. But there's one thing you better do. You better stay close to the Father. You better stay close to the Father. The thief on the cross had to be hanging on the cross before he recognized the fact that I need a Savior. Think about that. You and I, we live in a free nation today. We live in a society where we're able to come into this house and we're able to lift up holy hands freely. Nobody is stopping us. We live in a culture today where the the police force is not going to come in and stop our worship. There's a lot of nations and a lot of countries that can't say that today. There's a lot of people this morning are worshiping the Lord underground for fear of being killed. But you and I, today, we have the privilege of coming freely and worshiping the Lord. We better trust Him. We better pursue Him. We better go after Him like they ain't nothing else. We better go after him. And when you look at the empty tomb, when you look at the empty tomb, in the, the season that we're in, it needs to always be a reminder to us that all things are possible through the Lord. It's possible. Now listen to me, church, and I'm closing. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, if you've never received him, If you're here this morning and you know you need to talk to him again, if you're here this morning and you know beyond a shadow of doubt you need to recommit your life to him, you can do it today. You can do it now. If you need directed prayer, then I'll say a directed prayer. But really, all you've got to say is, Lord, would you just remember me when you come into your kingdom? Really, in your heart, would you you remember me, Lord? when you come into your kingdom. And I believe that when you say that, the Lord will forgive you. The Lord won't ask any questions. He won't condemn you for what you've done. He won't point out things that you've done in the past. He won't bring up old past sins like the enemy does many times. But He will forgive. Philippians 3 and 7 says this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul said, I consider them garbage, in other words, that I may gain Christ. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Well, every bed bowed and every eye closed, real quick, I want to ask you, the forgiveness of God is phenomenal. The forgiveness of God is really unbelievable when you think about it. How can God take somebody like me and somebody like you who has done wrong and committed sin after sin and had wasted their life on wild living took all the finance from the Father and went out and spent it. Doesn't have nothing to show. 
how can God forgive me? How can God forgive me for everything that I've done, everything that I've said? How can he take me back? Pastor, I've messed up so many times. I've asked God to forgive me so many times. How can God forgive me? I'm going to tell you how. The same way that he forgave that thief on the cross. Just by looking at him. He understood his heart. He understood his mindset. He understood his attitude. He understood the reason the thief was talking to him that day. One thief on the other side rebuked him, hated him, mocked him, telling him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself and save us too. He only was selfish. The other thief rebuked him. The Bible says and told him what we're getting is right. We've done wrong. We have no reason to say anything. But Lord, but Lord, would you remember me? Would you remember me? And the Lord in his loving way, and the Lord in his compassion, and the Lord being who he is, looked at that thief and said, this day you'll be remembered. And I'm asking you, church, this is a very simple message, but I hope it's been one that has pierced your soul and get you to understand there is nothing you have done that God can't forgive. You've not gone so far that the Lord can't bring you home. You've not gone so far that he can't bring you back and place you on a pedestal where you need to be. Why don't you trust him today? Why don't you believe by faith upon the Lord today? Father, in the name of Jesus, I've said what I needed to say. I've given your word that I needed to give. I acknowledge the fact that there's been times that I've gone my way. I acknowledge the fact that there's been times, God, I've sinned against you. And I'm asking you to forgive me today. But Lord, there may be others that is here today that's in the same state I was in a while back when I came to you and asked forgiveness. And Lord, they may be here today and they need forgiveness. They may be here today and they need salvation. They may be here today and they finally recognize the fact as the thief on the cross that they need a Savior today. And I'm asking you, Lord, to save their soul, to set them free, to deliver. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, are you saved? Are you ready to go if Jesus would call you home? Can you say, Pastor, I need prayer today. I've got some things in my life that needs changing. I need prayer today. Would you just lift up your hand and put it right back down? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I've got to have some change today. I don't, I don't want to leave today. I don't want to leave today like I came. But I want to leave different in the name of Jesus today. I want to leave different. I want to be saved. I want to recommit my life to the Lord today. If that's you, would you just place your hand up and put it right back down? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you do me a favor and grab a hold of the person's hand that you're sitting beside? We had several hands that went up all over this building. And I want every one of us to pray this prayer with me, if you don't mind, while you're praying. Say this after me, Lord Jesus Christ. I acknowledge that I've gone my own way. I have sinned in thought, in word and in deed. And I'm sorry for my sins. Will you please forgive me for my sins? I believe that you died for me. I believe you bore my sins in your own body. And I thank you for that great love. Now, Lord, open the door. Come in, Lord Jesus. Come in as my, as my Savior and cleanse me. Come in as, as my Lord and take control of my life. I will serve you as you give me strength all of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Now I want you to stand all over this building and look at me real quick. If you want to come to these altars, I want you to feel free to come. I don't feel led to ask you to come today. Don't know why. I just, But if you want to come, I'll meet you in this altar. But I do want to tell you this. For those of you that lifted up your hands today, for those of you that said, I want to change my life. I want to be saved. I want to recommit my life. Can I tell you today, today angels are rejoicing because of what, you, what you've chosen to do. Can I tell you today, because of your obedience today, the angels of the Lord are rejoicing in heaven because of your decision today. You've made the best decision you could have ever made today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, I want you to give these folks that lifted up their hands a big hand clap today. Hallelujah. 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 He is life. And he gives life abundantly. He gives life forevermore. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being obedient today. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. This is what I've done. Share it with somebody. And for those of you that may be here that you didn't raise your hand. For those of you that may be here that you didn't Give your heart to the Lord, but you know you needed to. Why don't you do that today? Why don't you do it today? What have you got to lose? You've got everything to gain, but what have you got to lose by not surrendering everything to the Father? I promise you life will be a whole lot better. It'll be a whole lot better in the name of Jesus. How many believes that with me? Before you go, I don't know if you've got a note, but I've got a, I've got a text message up here. I told you we needed to raise $1,200 for the kids to meet their, meet their goal. I am proud, unless something else has come in to tell you, that they raised $1,276.49. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That's wonderful, isn't it? And all of that will go to them as they travel to, where, I don't know where they're traveling, Gatlinburg for Kids Fest. They'll take about 50, as Brother Cup said, on two buses over there in a, in a few short weeks. They're excited about this. 
It's phenomenal. If you ever want to go and help, help the young people back in Wednesday night and be a part of that and go, I promise you, you'll never be the same. You'll be blessed by watching these young people get together in worship. Last week, you saw some pictures of our young people, our, our youth young people. Brother David is at the cemetery today with his dad. His dad passed away, and they went to visit the cemetery and be with family today. But I wanted him to share sometime. Maybe he'll be able to share next Sunday. But I was tickled to death to hear that the young people chose to give up a fun day to go work at the Church of God uh, uh, Children's Home last week. But last weekend, some fifteen to 20,000 young people gathered in an auditorium to worship God. Don't tell me all the young people's going to hell in a handbasket. They're not. Don't tell me all of them is heathens. We got some good ones. Amen. Amen. There's 15 or 20,000 of them that was over there worshiping God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you talking about energy? If you ever want to feel energized, go with them one time. I, I promise you, I'm not just saying that. You get, you get, you get with a bunch of young people. They ain't going to look like you. They ain't going to worship God like you, but they're radical for Jesus Christ. You know what my prayer is? God, help us old folk to be radical for the Lord. Hallelujah! Help us to be radical for the Lord. I got to go, but I just want to tell you that I got two minutes. I'm gonna just, let me just testify a little bit. I'd like for some of us to get out of our comfort zone with the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, what is he talking about? Quit acting like you normally act in church. That's what I'm talking about. Well, pastor, I thought I act pretty good. I worship God. I get it. I understand that. And I, and I appreciate that. And I'm glad that you do. But I'm, I'm just believing God, a wave would come and hit us one day that it would get us all outside of ourselves. We wouldn't act like we normally act. We'd just go plumb crazy for the Lord. I ain't, I ain't talking about crazy in the, in the, how do I need to say that? In the crazy sections. All right? I'm talking about crazy for the Lord. Amen. I'm talking about worshiping and loving on the Lord Jesus Christ like we've never loved on him before. I just believe if we'll do that, there ain't no telling, Sister Parker, what'll take place. Lord, sweep in. Sweep in and just take us. Arrest us <laughs> as we surrender unto you. Amen. God bless you today. We love you.